0: Everybody, glad you're here. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to greet everybody personally. Let this blessing be for all in the house and online. Are you ready? Merry Christmas! Christmas. One more time, Merry Christmas! Christmas. Oh man, that sounds good. The kids won. You guys were louder, kids. Hey, you know, um, oh, I got to tell you, I got an early Christmas gift. The DMV decancelled my driver's license. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those nice lists, naughty list things. The nice thing is, it got my license back. The naughty thing is, I'm not allowed to drive over 40 miles an hour. Obviously, I can't drive at night. I got these big, funky glasses. I got a even 40 miles an hour, you should still run from me. Um, I can't drive uh, more than 10 miles. Uh, from my home. And uh, so I asked my Debbie for a golf cart uh, for Christmas. I mean, thank God we can drive to the grocery store, to the doctor, to the dentist. And my kids are, are very gracious and uh, taking us wherever we need to go. Um, there was this, um, this big established uh, research firm uh, surveyed to find out what kids, what children love most about Christmas. It will not surprise you that 0% of kids hate Christmas. Now, 1%, 1% of children only enjoy it a little, but 99% of children really, really, really love Christmas. Now, I was surprised in this survey by the fact that presents are not the number one thing kids love about Christmas. The number one thing kids love about Christmas is not having to go to school. (laughs) I'm getting more amens in this sermon than I normally do. The second thing kids love most about Christmas is presents. Third is doing things with their family. Fourth is decorating the house. Fifth is eating lots of Christmas candy. And sixth is going to the dentist. I just made that one up. But it seems like Christmas has become a child's holiday. And maybe that was God's design from the very beginning because 700 years before Jesus, before his birth, God breathed on a man named Isaiah. And he writes these words, for to us, us is me, us is you, for to us, a child is born. And then the Christmas story itself opens up with a focus on a child. Matthew chapter one, Reads like this. This is why they won't let me drive. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before there was any hanky-panky, she was found to be with child. Impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Five verses later, in chapter one of Matthew, we read this Look, a virgin, she's 14 years old. A 14 year old virgin will be with, will conceive a child. And then in chapter two, when the focus falls on the wise men coming to worship uh, the child of Christmas, we read this. The star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, if you were God and you wanted to reveal yourself, who you are and what you do, what you value, what is precious to you, if you're gonna reveal yourself to the world you created and all the people on it? Would you come as a helpless baby? I mean, wouldn't you want to come? If you were God and you were going to reveal yourself to all humanity, wouldn't you want to come as a very impressive, very attractive, very powerful, a full-grown adult? This is who I am. This is God. This is what I do. But God chose to send his son, Jesus, equal with God in every way, God sent forth his son Jesus through the birth canal of a 14-year-old virgin, a child. Helpless in every way, totally dependent on a 14-year-old girl and her likely 16-year-old husband to care for his every need. God, helpless, can't talk. The one who spoke creation into existence can't talk helpless to hold himself erect, the one who stands before the foundation, who exists in unapproachable light, a helpless baby. So why did God, Jesus come as a child? And I wanna tell you the, the whole essence, the very essence of Christmas is that God came to earth through human birth, fully God, fully man, all at the same time from cradle to the cross and risen from the dead. Jesus came as a child to be one of us, to be with us, to experience everything that we go through in life, every heartache, I mean, every joy, every trauma, all the trouble, all the temptation. He went to experience it all. It's just that he overcame. I mean, it was tenacious. He had to battle his way ferociously through every trial and trouble, but he won every time so that he became the sinless Jesus, knew no sin, did no sin, willingly laid his life down on a cross to pay for our sin. He came to be one of us, to be with us and to be for us so that even now at the right hand of God, Jesus is appealing in your behalf. He came to advocate for us. He came to stand, yeah, as one of us with us, but he came to stand for us. Um, Here's the deal from the Word of God. Scripture says, since we are human beings made of flesh and blood, as a result, Jesus, he became flesh and blood. Too, by being born. Do you notice the emphasis that Jesus came into the world just as you did, just as I did. He was born. He was born. You know, scientists say that the birth process, uh, that, that, that a child being pushed through uh, the birth canal is the most traumatic, stressful experience that you'll ever go through in your life. But Jesus surrendered himself to that trauma. Jesus surrendered himself to that stress to be with us, to be one of us, to be for us. When Jesus came, he came at a bad time for kids. Children in the day of Jesus were held in the lowest, on the lowest rung of social status. They, they, they were the least of the least, the lowest of the lowest. Totally disposable, often unwanted, But Jesus came as a child to identify with children then and children now. I believe Jesus came as a child so that children would come to him. My Debbie, my Debbie was uh, six years old when she came to Christ and was baptized. And even now, 65, years later. Maybe now she's got to battle her way through the confusion and chaos of Alzheimer's disease, but she is still coming to Jesus. Jesus came. I mean, my role, your role in this whole deal, we are to facilitate children coming to Jesus. We lead the way. We come to Jesus. So we show them what a good thing, what a wonderful thing, how it is super abundant to come to Christ. Um, one time during the ministry of Jesus, and you probably probably remember the moment when parents were bringing their children to Jesus and uh, the disciples, because they're kids, nothing. You guys aren't worth our time. The disciples chased them off. But Jesus urgently intervened saying, let the little children come unto me. Another time, it probably blew his audience away. Maybe it was an audience like this audience. But in the midst of his talking to them, he invites a child to the very front, invites a child on the stage. Maybe it's a little boy, maybe it's a little girl. Here's what the text says. Jesus called the child to come and stand in the front of them and said, I assure you that unless you change and become, like, become childlike, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself and becomes like a child. Jesus came, I mean, you can't get to greatness except through humility. Jesus came to show us the pathway to greatness. True greatness is through true humility. And we, we struggle with that. But Jesus, in that text, he just said to the audience, hey, you can't even get to heaven without true humility. All in, in past years, when we would go to Israel, when we would go to Bethlehem, um, to the very place where Jesus was born, the and Bethlehem is not a Jewish community. It's ninety eight percent Muslim, two percent Christian. Uh, but the church there's the oldest church that has a continual uh, worship experience. It's built over the cave where Jesus was born. But to enter that place, the door is only four feet high. So everybody, everybody's got to get get down and bow to humbly enter the place and the presence where Jesus was born. It's that kind of humility that leads to an experience of greatness. I mean, our tendency, we wanna be controlling, we wanna be in charge, and our prideful nature takes us in two directions. Either it makes us think too much of ourselves, like we're all that, or we think too much about ourselves and we're insecure. Maybe when you think too much of yourself, you think you're better, smarter, richer, whatever than others, and maybe if you're insecure, thinking too much about yourself, you do comparison the other way, that they get all the breaks, that they're smarter. I wish I had what they had, I wish I could do what they could do. Humility is thinking less and less and less of yourself and more and more and more about Jesus. One of the guys, one of the best friends of Jesus, his name is Peter. He was standing right there on both those times. He was one of the guys chasing kids away. And he was one of the guys standing, had a front row seat when Jesus brought a child to the very front. Maybe slipped his arm around that child and said, hey, unless you get humble and become childlike, you can't even go to heaven. Here's what Peter would later write. God resists the proud. Proud, people who think too much of themselves or think about themselves too much, God resists their prayers. God resists their appeals. He, he begins to oppose them. That's what scripture says. God opposes the proud. God resists the proud. But look what he does for the humble. He gives grace. Grace is good gifts we don't deserve. Better than we ever dreamed. It flows over our lives as we humble ourselves before God. God gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under God's strong hand. You don't have to push yourself to the center. You don't have to push yourself to the front. Humble yourself under God's strong hand and in his own good time, he will lift you up. You can throw all the weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concern. Many of you came with anxiety today. It's a part of the season, it's a part of life. In fact, it's a plague in our culture right now. Anxiety, but guess what? Everybody feels anxiety, okay? But we get to be in charge of how long we suffer with it because we can give it to the Lord. Because he, we, we, when we humble ourselves and give our anxieties to him, you know, we create the anxieties often by saying, what if? I mean, what if, what if, what if this, what if that? We manufacture worst case scenarios in our mind. And if instead of asking what if, we ask, who is? Who is God? Who is the God who has made me the target of his personal concern? I can put all my anxieties on him, for I am the target of his concern in every what if situation, I am the target of God's personal concern. Just like we sang today, in the early church they sang songs as well. And here's one written by the Apostle Paul, they sang this way, Christ was humble, case closed, that's it. Everything about Jesus flowed out of his humility. Out of his humility came his love. Out of his humility came his compassion. Out of his humility came his willingness to be with the lowest of the low, to hang out with the prostitute, to forgive the adulterer, to to be loyal to the liar, the thief, and the cheat. Out of the humility of Christ came everything. And the same is true about me and you. If, if, If this is my humility this is my love. If this is my humility, this is my love. All the power of God that came through Jesus and healing and miracle, it came to the degree supernatural humility, supernatural power. That's Jesus. He he came as a child so that children would come to him. He came as a child to identify with children. He came as a child to be with us, to be one of us, to be for us. But I mean, really, what kind of child was he? What kind of, you see all the children in the room? What, what kind of child was Jesus? We really don't get much info in the New Testament part of the Bible. I mean, in Luke 2.52, we know the scripture says that Jesus increased in wisdom. He grew in how to apply God's knowledge he grew physically, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with people, favor with God and man, grew spiritually with favor with God. We we know at the age of 30 that he surrendered himself in baptism. For him, it was a picture of his coming, death, burial, and resurrection. He did it to point us to the fact that if you want to get to greatness, you humble yourself. You participate with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, just as the three people did to start our service. Hum- hum- humility is how you enter a relationship with the everlasting God. Humility keeps you in relationship with the everlasting God, and humility keeps you experiencing the everlasting life of Jesus right now. You know what? God has put the capacity for greatness in you. He's put a desire for greatness in you, that you would be great, and he's put the capacity for you to be great. Now, granted, lots of people ignore what God has put in them. They reject it. They deny it. They just keep going, chasing their own stuff. But you are the workmanship of God. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do great things that he's prepared for you in advance. It's just that you can't get to the greatness without surrendering yourself in humility. Um, Though the New Testament doesn't give us much info on the childhood of Jesus, 700 years before the birth of Christ, God breathes again on the prophet Isaiah and he writes this way of Jesus. A child has been born to us. We have been given a son who will be our ruler, our Lord, and he will be named, here are his character traits, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. This gives us insight. And who Jesus was from the cradle to the cross and the empty tomb and his ascension to the right hand of God he is wonderful Jesus is full of wonder in every way his birth was wonderful it was a wonder he's born of a virgin a 14 year old virgin girl impregnated by the holy spirit and a girl gives birth to the Christ he is He is worshipped at his birth. He is worshipped by lowly shepherds who were close by. Two years later, he is worshipped by scholars who came from the east, though. We call them the wise men. It was a wonder that they would travel so far. It was a wonder that a star would lead them. During the three years of his ministry, what Jesus taught was a wonder. People were amazed at his teaching. They said, no one teaches with this kind of authority. This guy knows what he's talking about when he talks truth. The love of Jesus was a wonder for every kind, every level, every color of person. Jesus was a wonder. As he died in our place for our sin on the cross, Jesus was a wonder risen from the dead. As I studied the story of Christmas again, I, I indicated some Christmas insights I wanted to share with you. I've called them Christmas truths. Here's number one. Christmas truth number one, the wonder of Jesus enduring the rigors of physical birth through the birth canal. Why? So we can enjoy the riches of spiritual rebirth. Jesus says, you can be born again. You can come into the kingdom of God through a spiritual rebirth by water, just as folks did earlier, and by the spirit. And that teaching concluded with these words, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever would surrender their lives to him would never die, but have everlasting life. Here's truth number two. The wonder of Jesus having an earthly mother so we can have a heavenly father. And that's how he went on to teach us to pray, right? Our father who is in heaven. Number three, um, the, the wonder of Jesus coming to earth so we can go to heaven. He was willing to jettison from his life, all his majesty, all his splendor, all his godness to take on flesh, to become a human being and his willingness to do that, to be a baby in a manger, which led to a cross. When you believe that Jesus is God, came to earth through human birth, he died on a cross for your sin, in your place, as your substitute, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, that is your ticket into forever, into heaven, where you'll do what you love best with those you love most, all in the presence of Jesus. Truth number four, the wonder of Jesus born to die for the very purpose, the cradle was for the cross, that we might live fully, right now, superabundant, the Word of God calls it, and freely forgiven. Um, Jesus is, is full of wonder, wonderful. But his next na- name goes up a notch. You see, these names are listed in such a way, they cascade in power and meaning until it reaches the grand finale. But the second one is counselor. And the Hebrew word for counselor is ya'atz. And it means to give purpose. Jesus is the counselor. If you wanna know why air is going in and out of your lungs, why, why blood is pumping hot in your veins, if you wanna know why you exist, if you wanna know the specific purpose of your life, all you gotta do is go to Jesus the counselor. Open his word to listen to him. Pray, ask him, ask, Lord, show me your purpose for my life. And he will reveal to you, there is an overall purpose for every person on the planet. That includes you. The overall purpose of your life is to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, and to serve Jesus. And the, the more that you invest yourself, engage yourself in those behaviors, the more meaning and fulfillment you find in life, but that's the general overall purpose. Jesus is willing to reveal to you, he specializes. It's his specialty, it's his business practice to reveal to you his specific purpose for your life. Your life has a unique and distinctive purpose. No one can live that purpose for you. Jesus has dreamed up that purpose and wants to reveal it to you if you would just come to him. He has a specific, distinctive purpose for your life. Take me, for instance. For over 40 years, the Lord's purpose for my life was to serve this church as a lead pastor. But back in 2021, in December of 2021, my Debbie was diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's. She likely had had Alzheimer's for maybe three years and, you know, it just reached ahead at that point when everyone could see. And I went to a neuropsychologist and had the PET scan of her brain. And um, that was 2021, December. Well, in March of this year, 2023, um, I felt God indicate to me that I only had another year and a half um, of good life with my Debbie Because the next stage is as frustrating and challenging as this one is, the next stage is not gonna be a pretty picture. So I felt God indicate to me um, that my primary purpose uh, was not to be the lead pastor, so I stepped down. I still have a place in this church, but my primary purpose is to serve my Debbie, be my Debbie's primary caregiver, to comfort my Debbie. To love my Debbie, to love my Debbie as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her pure and spotless. That's my purpose now. And I'll tell you, it's as meaningful and as fulfilling as serving this church for the 40 or so previous years. God has, as he has a specific purpose for me right now, this is my primary purpose, to be the primary caregiver of my Debbie. He has a specific purpose for your life. Don't be afraid of it. Ask him for it. He'll reveal it and then just live it out with joy. I I hadn't told very many people what I'm about to tell you. Um, I had told Jake and Debbie, And I told three of my friends, but last night I told 680 people, so the secret's out. (laughs) Um, But a few weeks ago, I was at our dining room table, and um, I have this giant print Bible, but I can't read it even with a magnifying glass, so the iPad is cool because it makes the, the script really big. And I was reading the Word of God and praying, and unexpectedly, out of nowhere, God speaks to me, not some voice, but speaks to my heart. And here's what he said clearly to me, bring back my lost sheep. And I was like, Lord, I'm up for that. I mean, Debbie's number one, but if there's time, energy, effort apart from that, I'm up for that. I just don't know how. What do you want me to do? How how do I do that? How does that happen? How do I bring back your lost sheep? And then guess what? Last night, a whole bunch of lost sheep showed up for church and at 8.15, and at nine o'clock. Here I am and here you are. And some of you, you know. Maybe you hear this and you're beginning to ask yourself, am I one of God's lost sheep? COVID happened, something happened, circumstances happened, and you drifted away from God. And you got lost. His longing right now is that you become a found sheep in fact, we're gonna have a candle lighting experience in, in just a minute, and it's really a cool part of our celebration every year. But I'd like for you to do something. If you know that you're a lost sheep, last night as I was greeting the crowd as they left, people would come up and say, I'm back, I'm back, I'm that sheep, I'm back. That's what I want you to do. When you light your candle, I just want you to whisper a prayer to God, I'm back, I'm back, Lord, I'll be back next weekend. I'm here for Christmas, but I'll be back next weekend. First weekend in jail, I'll be back. I'm resolving. I'm I'm telling you, Lord, I'm back. I'm back weekend after weekend after weekend. I've been a lost sheep, but now I want to be a found sheep. I'm back. This is why we're um, kicking off the new year. I believe that... um, we find meaning and fulfillment in life as we are fully engaged in our, the primary purpose that Jesus gives for our life. Fully engaged in purpose. That's why we're kicking off uh, the, the new year 2024 with a new sermon series titled Fully Engaged. We want you to know God's specific purpose for your life. We want you to pursue it with all your passion. We want you fulfilled. We want meaning for your life. Um, and if you haven't if you feel like maybe I'm one of those lost sheep I want to introduce you to the next name of Jesus mighty God the the Hebrew words are El Gabor El is God's name Gabor means the strong one or the hero which indicates to us that Jesus is hero God. I mean, it was heroic. Can you imagine the heroism in Jesus to leave heaven and come as a flesh and blood baby, to become a flesh and blood? I mean, he had been all-knowing, all-powerful. Now he, he only can say what he hears the Father saying. Now he can only do what he sees the Father doing. He left his omnipresence. I mean, now he's combined. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, he has to do it in the limitations of a physical body. That took heroism. Maybe his, I mean, it was heroic what he taught. It turned people on their heads. It was heroic when he healed the sick and touched the leper and raised the dead. Maybe his most heroic hours were the six that he spent dying on the cross in your place as your substitute for our sin. In fact, the greatest act of heroism was that Jesus was literally made to be our sin on the cross that we might be made right with God. He shed and bled every last drop of blood to forgive our sins. There is no hero like Jesus, our hero, God. Now his death on the cross is not the end of the story. Three days later, he conquered hell, death, sin, and the grave, striding triumphantly out of that stone-sealed tomb to be our risen Lord and Savior. And that's why the next part of his name is Everlasting Father. Jesus is God who had no beginning. He was killed, executed fully physically dead, bled out, but the grave could not hold him. Death lost its grip three days after they executed him. He comes back conquering hell, death, and the grave. And now he dispenses his, you see, God without beginning, God without end, and he gives you as a loving father, he dispenses to you the resurrection life that is forever. You get eternity put in you by your everlasting father, Jesus but maybe the best, the grand finale. I should say this, get this tattooed on your left thigh this week. You can do it for Christmas. Jesus can be forever yours, and you can be forever his because he's your everlasting father. But everything is built to the grand finale, the fact that Jesus is Prince of Peace. His peace is powerful. This is my, our family's first Christmas without my dad. He passed this year. but we have a powerful peace that sees my dad the moment his eyes close in death, they instantaneously open in the presence of Jesus. And now my dad's doing what he loves best, with those he loves most, all in the presence of Jesus. And all the challenges and rigors of Alzheimer's. there is a conquering peace of Jesus in our home that gets us out of bed in the morning, gets us dressed together, breakfast, carries us through the day, puts us in bed again at night. In the face of Alzheimer's, it's a peace that passes all understanding. Losing my eyesight, it's not fun, it's frustrating, but there's a peace that God gives me that he'll provide, that he'll take care that he is with me. The peace of Jesus is the most powerful commodity on the planet. The peace of Jesus conquers the evil inside you and the evil inside me. The peace of Jesus, it eradicates the evil in us. Here's the promise of scripture. Your source, capital S, your source of peace, Jesus, will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus will be with you. Grace, good gifts that you don't deserve, good gifts that blow your mind, good gifts that are beyond your dreams come from Jesus. He conquers the evil in you, and then he gives you good gifts, a good gift of grace. And the grace of Jesus conquers your fear and anxiety. That's the promise of Jesus. Scripture says this, I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You can't get it any place else. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. The Lord is with you. He is one of us. He is for us. He is Jesus. Would you pray with me? I call down your goodness on this gathered people, Lord Jesus. Please, in my weakness, let your strength be made complete and your grace all sufficient for our church family in this moment, Lord. Thank you. Lead us in humility. Thank you for being one of us. Thank you for being for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.